Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. Uh, we're going to continue in our series today called Ecclesia, and uh, if you want to turn your Bible, I'm going to go to this uh, verse in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm not, I'm not going to start there, but I want you to just mark your place there as we go through this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the resurrection. And you may think, well, isn't this for Easter? Yeah, it could be. Uh, but the resurrection should be a part of our lives as believers uh, of all time. Um, and the, one of the things about that, the reason I give you that about the TikTok challenge is because the, the thing that I, look, and I am, uh, believe it or not, it sounds crazy. I don't, I don't look it, but I'm 45, okay? I know, I don't, I thank you very much. I don't look it, thank you. I know, I know. My kids say, Dad, you don't look 45. I'm like, you know what? You're not getting extra presents because you said that. But I do appreciate you saying that. Thank you. Um, but it, I, I, so I'm not saying this. And every time you, 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 you know, when you say something, you feel like you have to preface it with this. If you're younger than me, you think, oh, you're just saying it because you're older. It's not that. Um, ask anybody who's older than me and they will tell you, um, no, things are completely different now versus when they grew up. And it's not because they're older than me. Uh, I'm just telling you, from the time in which, the last 10 to 15 years, so many things have changed uh, so fast. And what bothers me is not because of the rate of change in the world. Like, I can handle that. I can handle the rate of change in the world. What is bothering me right now, what I have a burden for right now, is what I'm seeing the rate of change in those who profess Christianity. That is where I... My greatest burden right now is, is that. Like John would say, I have no greater desire than this, my brothers, that you would know the truth. And it really bothers me because I feel like Christianity has become almost this, is it popular or not, will go with what is popular. And so much so that the resurrection, I never thought I would be saying this. They didn't train us for this in Bible college. I'm just telling you. No one ever said, hey, in Bible college, one day you may have to defend the resurrection to the church. I can see it to the world, but not to the church. What? No one prepared me for that. They didn't teach a course on, they taught a course on apologetics. That's defending your faith. No one taught a course on defending the resurrection of Christ to his church. That was not a course, nor was we given credit for it. I doubt any professor thought about it ever. You shouldn't have to do that, should you? But because it's not popular... I just felt the need, if we're going to talk as we transition, as we talk about the church and the ecclesia, the called out ones, if we're going to be the called out ones, you need to be know, you need to know what you're called out to, called out from, but you need to know, really be steadfast in the faith of knowing the resurrection and remind yourselves of the resurrection. Say, well, I know all about the resurrection. That's great. That's fantastic. You could teach other people that. That's great. But for me, I felt like before I go any further and we start talking about the rest of the parts of the body of Christ and how it works is that we talk about, again, the resurrection. So as you mark your spot there in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to get there in a minute, but I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation about uh, the resurrection, okay? So uh, I'm going to read the the scripture we're going to use every week for this, uh, for the next couple of weeks as we finish up the series. But in Matthew 16, we'll start there. This is where Jesus used the word church for the first time. Matthew 16 and verse 13. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to use the uh, New Living Translation. And the reason I'm going to do this for you guys, I'm going to get the, we have a number of these Bibles, but I'm going to bring them out 
And next week, we're going to lay them out in all the seats and just different random places. You can use your phone. I'm, I'm fine with that. But I also want to make it available so that you guys can actually open it and see it, uh, a, a context of a Bible, and be on the same translation. Because I know it's hard. Like, I read different translations. You don't have it. The one I use a lot, the New American Standard Bible, uh, is not readily available. I understand that. But it's one of the closest uh, translations that actually is the right uh, wording with American language in English uh, compared to the context of the original ancient Greek and Hebrew. The English Standard Version might be the next closest, okay? But I just got in the habit of using that. So I'm going to start bringing out the New Living Translation, though, not because it's a better translation, but because it's more readily available, okay? Um, so I'll, I'll do that next week because I really want you to read these, these verses yourself. But Matthew 16 and verse 13, we'll start there. And this is where Jesus, he brought his disciples to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Notice he used the word Son of Man, not Son of God. And we get in that deeper, but the Son of Man is referencing himself to, he's going to be the substitute for humanity in that one statement alone. He could have said Son of God, he said Son of Man. He was not just the Son of God, he's also the Son of Man. It's very important that you understand that. He's not speaking right now as himself, as God. He is speaking in representation for you as humanity. Who is it that the people or the regions say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Now, here's the interesting thing. All of his disciples right here just identified that they believe in the resurrection. Because every one of these individuals that they named are dead. All of them are dead. Now, now I don't. <laughs> their theology is a little warped, don't you agree? Because apparently they also believe in some form of reincarnation or whatever. I guess. <laughs> Who do they say that I am? Well, you know, John the Baptist, who's been beheaded. That kind of is a little weird, don't you think? Well, if you don't like that, we'll tell Elijah, maybe Jeremiah. A little reincarnation. You know, they weren't probably too up on their, maybe their Torah reading. I don't know. A little, little thrown off there. But nonetheless, one of the other prophets, maybe Isaiah, maybe, you know, some of the others. But verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now, Peter answered him and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, he, do you see what just happened? Jesus said, who do you say that the son of man is? Referencing to, I'm here for you. Peter kicked it over and said, you are the Christ. As in the Old Testament readings, not, the Christ means the Messiah. It means the anointed one, the son of the living God. Peter referenced him as the Messiah. Jesus referenced himself as the son of man. He is both. But Jesus came with a mission to redeem mankind. Peter came with this idea and said, hey, look, man, you're the son of God. Do you see the difference in their viewpoint? So Jesus said, you're blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And you didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. We'll talk about that maybe later. And upon this rock or this revelation or this, this, this thought, if you will, that he is the Christ, I will build my church. Before we go any further, do you hear the, the before, if I don't get anything else out today, Please hear me right now as a church. If you're watching online, please listen to me right now. Jesus is going to build his church on the revelation that he is the Messiah. Period. Now we got coffee, but he's not building his church on coffee. We got small groups, but he's not building his church on small groups. As much as I promote and I love and I'm a part of one. <laughs> okay. He's not building his church on light bulbs, smoke, fog, mirrors, or cool outfits. He doesn't build his church on how many people come, go, like, dislike, 
don't want to come anywhere because it's not popular, or say it because you agree with something differently theologically that the Bible is clear about, because you are willing to stand up and say, this is the biblical mandate for, and you lay it out there, marriage, man and a woman, whatever. If it's no, oh, and that offends, and now people are going to say, oh, you go to that church and they believe that? How dare you say that? He's not building on popularity. The number one thing he's building it on right here, according to the words in red, and that's Jesus, I will build my church on what? This revelation that I am what you said I am, which is the son of God. I came to redeem mankind, but since you just said what you said, that's what I'm building my church on, the son of God. And I'm going to tell you something right now. We have got to, if you're in here or watching online, listen to me right now. You better decide right now which, which side you're on. Either you believe this or you don't. But if you don't believe it, you might as well go play golf. You might as well go bat. What is popping up? Pickleball. What is that? Pickleball. All that kind of, you might as well go do something else. I don't know, man. Go fishing. But I didn't show up because it's the popular thing to do. I tell my kids all the time, they say, hey, Dad, man, you know, they're worried about, well, I don't want to embarrass you or something. I'm not worried about you embarrassing me because I don't show up because I'm a pastor. I'm not here because I get paid to be here. I come whether I get paid or not. I didn't show up for this because it was a club to be a part of. I came because the Son of God stood in my place as the Son of Man, and he redeemed my life from the pits of hell. That's why I come to his church, because he is building that based on that revelation, not on coffee or clubs or a social significance that matters. No. Because if you go up to the Northeast, I'm going to tell you right now, they don't come because of coffee. And they don't come because it's popular. They come under persecution. They show up. Because the resurrection means more to them than the Sunday morning attendee. And that's the reality. So my question is this morning, do we understand what the resurrection is? Because Jesus said, I'm building my church on the resurrection and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. It'll conquer coffee. (laughs) I've seen it. Y'all don't sing the song that they sing at that church. Well, I'm sorry. I ain't looking through the song list of everybody else's church to see if we fit what you want. Because I'm not building church on what you want. Well, I wish we had better creamer. Well, won't you buy some and bring it with you, darling? Stop by Starbucks. They got one two minutes up the road. Get you a little latte, no foam, light foam, whatever you want. Click, no click, whatever. Bring it on in here and drink it. But I'm not, we're not, Jesus isn't building his church on lattes. He just didn't. Now, that's what humans do, and that's what humans want. And so, therefore, they do what humans want to get a gathering in a crowd. But Jesus doesn't care. He is, I say this with all due respect, Jesus is a little bit crazy. He looked at his disciples, had a crowd, everybody was around him, and he said, you got to eat my flesh, and you got to drink my blood. And everybody left him, except for the disciples, and they looked at him like, what are you doing? Why would you say that and then tweet it to the world? Man, we're trying to get a movement here, don't you understand? And he looks at them and he says, y'all going to leave me too? He didn't care because he wasn't the son of man only. He was the son of God. Now, so what is the resurrection? Let me give you a couple of thoughts. The resurrection was twofold, twofold. Here's the two main reasons. You put everything up under these two things. Number one, the resurrection was to prove that he was the son of God. This is why he said certain things to them about being the son of man, the son of man, the son of man. But when they attacked him and asked certain questions of him, he said, so that you can understand this. Not only do I have the power to forgive sins, but I can also heal sicknesses and disease. But to prove to you, 
says, you don't want to believe that I can forgive. I'm going to heal this person here to prove to you that I am who I say I am. Because they were freaking out. Who are you to forgive sins? Well, I'm the son of God. (laughs) You don't know who I am. That's the problem. So, Number one is the resurrection is twofold. Number one, prove that he was the son of God. So let me read this to you from Acts. Just hold your place in 1 Corinthians because we're going to read that together, okay? But Acts 17 and verse 30, and I'll put it on the screen for you this new living translation here so you can read this. It says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands that everyone everywhere to, this is an interesting word uh, that no one likes in our country anymore, Repent. People in church don't even like this word. Don't you tell me what I got to do. Like, I am so tired of hearing that. If you don't hear somebody tell you what we should or should not be doing, you might need to find another place to worship because I'm going to tell you from the Bible, we ought to repent at times. If you don't ever repent, if you had never, if it's been four months since your last confession, I mean, I don't, since I'm not talking about the priest or like his end of Catholicism or whatever, but if, if you have never said, you know what, I made a mistake in like four months, it's time. Today would be a good day. Because you're in rebellion. I hate that. Well, who are you to tell me? I'm just a voice crying out in the middle of a church in Rome, Georgia, 31165 zip code this morning. I'm not in the wilderness like John the Baptist, but I am a voice just crying out in the wilderness. We are called to repentance. And how dare we tell the church, I mean, the world out there, that they ought to change if we don't want to change. That's a different message. We'll move on. Nobody wants to hear that message, believe me. They want to repent of their sins and turn to him, for he has set a day for judging the world. Nobody wants to hear that either. He's not going to judge the world. Yes, he is. He is going to judge the world. He's going to judge it harshly. Making excuses for sin is not helping anybody. Telling people it's okay to live however they want to live is not helping anybody. He is going to judge the world. He's going to judge it with justice. And thank God he's going to. Because let me tell you something. After a week of hearing about keeping it as PG, you got a bunch of kids in there, the most... Awful of awful things that people do to kids. Bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. And bring it severely. Yeah, judge them right now. How dare you say it? Let me tell you something. If you heard some of the stuff I heard this week, bring it on. Just bring it right now, man. It's just fine by me. Oh, my gosh, how dare you say that? Let me tell you something. You want some things to be judged. This riffraff that goes on in these other countries, what they do to these ladies in Atlanta, Georgia, where trafficking takes place. I know we don't want to turn our heads. Oh, we just want to talk about it. It can't be true. It is true. Bring justice. Judge every one of them. I pray to God they find every one of them. Tack their hides to a wall. Really? Yes. Line every one of them up, man. Oh, that's just awful. No, it's not. If it was your kid, I'm going to tell you right now, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and you'd be glad for it. All these people getting off for these crimes, they hurt these kids. They just get off and get off and get off, and no one does anything. Bring it on, man. Because as a humanity, we can't do it. We're, we're, we're too scared to do anything anymore. But I'll just say, hey, he's going to judge the world one day. Hey, just bring it on. We don't want to repent, bring it on. Anyway, so he's going to set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he's appointed. Who's the man he appointed? It was Jesus. And watch this. This is what's amazing. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Why was Jesus resurrected from the dead? He needed to prove to everyone this is the Son of God. He's not just the Son. He is the living Son of the Almighty God. He is Jesus Christ the Lord and the resurrected one. 
He needed to prove this to people. And by the way, uh, I'll share this with you in just a minute, but uh, the proof isn't just in your Bible. There's historical books that prove out the resurrection of Christ. You don't even need the Bible to prove this out. They whitewash it. They don't talk about it, but it's, it's there. You can read uh, an atheist by the name of Josephus, the antiquities of Josephus, the writings of him. And there's all kinds of references to Jesus and the resurrection and all this stuff about the disciples and what happened. Good and bad, it's all there. There's other historical evidences of this. You don't need your Bible. He literally was alive. He literally was crucified. He literally was put in a tomb, and they can't find his body anywhere. Proven. The resurrected one. And by the way, if you want to also prove this out, there's other ways to to look at this. When was the last time you ever heard of a man anywhere going back 2,000 years in history that still has the name Carrying power right now without a social media account, not trying to keep up with a Kardashian anywhere, not one. Still going strong today within a book that is the number one best-selling book of all time. It can't get off the best-selling list. It by far exceeds any other. How do you explain that? Well, you could explain, what about Islam? It's kind of like that, isn't it? No, no. Date was later, and it was all written by one guy. This 66 different books numerous different authors that could easily have made a mistake over a period of 4,000 years of history. And yet it confirms and lines up every single time. A journalist would tell you today, that's infallible proof, which is what the Lord calls it. You don't even need the, just saying, there's plenty to look at and say, it couldn't have happened, it couldn't have happened, but everything lines up and says it did happen, whether you believe it or don't. This is why the Lord says, everyone knows in his heart, that this is true. All you got to do is look around nature and look in the sky and see there is something bigger than us. Right. To deny that is to deny him. And to deny him, that's why he has no mercy if you deny him. So that's harsh. No, it's not harsh. It's fair. And it's just. If I didn't tell you all the rules of the game and I let you play the game, that would not be fair. You might not be able to compete. But if I look at you and I tell you, here's the rules to the game. What are we going to play? We're going to play cornhole. What's the rules of cornhole? And I lay them out to you. Not everybody knows how to play. It's clear and it's fair. And the Lord says, everyone knows that this is true. So verse 32, when they heard Paul tell this and speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt. But others said, we want to hear more about this later. And so in other words, those individuals actually got saved and got born again. Some people laughed when he talked about the resurrection. And this is after the resurrection of Christ. Do people still laugh today about the resurrection? Do people, they're more bold today to say it. They think you're an idiot. How could you possibly believe in the resurrection? And they think we're crazy. So you have to decide, well, which side of the fence am I going to be? Am I going to be the side that trust in the Lord and his word, or am I going to go with popular opinion? Because the resurrection was given to prove he's the son of God, proven fact. The second thing the resurrection did was to provide redemption for everyone. And again, there's a popular thought today that the resurrection never happened, or that his body was stolen by the disciples. This whole thing resurfaces every so often. But in Luke 20, let me just read this to you. And this is an interesting uh, thing that the Sadducees brought up. Apparently the disciples had more of the Pharisee belief system than than what people would like to admit. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not. 
It's two different religious sects, okay? You can call them denominations if you want to. I wouldn't really refer to them that way, but if that helps you to to understand it better. Uh, The Pharisees were one group. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not. And so here, if you didn't believe, what would you be doing to those who did believe? You would ridicule. You'd make fun of them, right? That's what they did even in their own religious uh, groupings here. So in Luke 20, listen to this. This is the story where Jesus is replying to an answer by the Sadducees. And they make up this elaborate, like, uh, provoking question. It's like the people that do. You know, it's always these smart alecks, you know, that videotape everything. I watched enough of this junk in front of the officers. They all got to video something. You get in their face and say something. I know my right. I know my right. I don't have to move. I don't have to move. I don't, I, man, listen, I wouldn't be an officer. I'd have smacked that kid across the floor, and y'all had to come bail me out. Man, y'all better have to call you, brother. You had to come help me get out of jail because I couldn't handle it. Some kid getting in my face. With a little camera, threatening me, telling me, you can't. And it's like right up against the officer's nose like this. And how dare you? And spits in his face. Help me, Lord. <laughs> I am not that sanctified. Man, I didn't set the thing down, the gun, the badge, and beat him until it was over. And said, just here, I'm going to arrest myself. Take me on in. <laughs> but that's what you're dealing with. The Sadducees were presenting this in that way. They said, Jesus, since you believe in the resurrection of the dead, right? Well, of course. Okay, we got some questions for you. There's a guy, suppose. He gets married to a woman, and he dies. Well, she's supposed to marry his brother, so she does, based on some of their legal things in the, in the, in the Scripture. So she does, does the thing, they marry. So, you know, but then he dies, so the second brother dies. Then the third one marries her, and he dies. And they have seven brothers in the family, Jesus. They all married her, and every one of them died. And Jesus, by the way. Then she dies. We got a question for you. Well, what's your question? Which one of them's married to her when they get to heaven? In the resurrection. That's their question. So Jesus says, watch this. He says, marriage is for people here on earth. But in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like the angels. They are children of God. And watch this. Children of the resurrection. Verse 37. But now... I love, he didn't just stop there. But now, as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, he referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So verse 38, so he is the God of the living, not of the dead, for they are all alive to him. They just was like, you know, man, let's, let's, let's leave this cat alone. He's kind of like, you know, he's too smart. We'll ask him something later. Because they thought they could trap him. And the thing about today is, it seems like everybody wants to trap you. Doesn't it feel that way? Like we're all so cautious to say anything for fear of being trapped. Who's videotaping me now? If my response isn't politically in this little box of what's acceptable, then you're going to trap me. It's like the gotcha, you know, thing. You know, I gotcha. It's like, and so we're always walking around in fear of saying anything because we're afraid we're going to get got. But, you know, it's kind of what it is. I won't get to get us before the guys can get us get got. Anyway, never mind. You need to watch a little Medea, I guess. Y'all hadn't seen any of that. I can't believe you said that, right? It's a funny movie. So go to 1 Corinthians now, verse 15. Let me, let me show you what Paul says about this, okay? We'll get, get the getters before the getters get me. Sorry. You'd have to go watch a little bit of the, I guess. Anyway, but tell me this, Paul says, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, 
Why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? And this is getting more and more common in Christianity today, okay? If we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. See, it, the whole point of a Christian saying there might not be a resurrection, you just, you just negated your faith. So a person who says they're a Christian who says the resurrection didn't happen, they just negated everything about themselves by saying that. What will be the point of even saying you're a Christian if you don't believe in the resurrection? He says, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God. So if we preach the resurrection, he's saying, we're actually calling God a liar. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead. For we have said that God raised up Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. He's going to dig the hole a little deeper for us. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still, watch this, guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been, it's past tense, he has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into this world through a man, referring to Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Jesus. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Can I just ask you a question? Do all die? So far, no one's refuted that. I mean, except for maybe some of those in suspended animation. I don't know. I think they're still banking on something, injecting them with something. They're coming back. I hate to tell you, they ain't coming back. Not in that format. They ain't coming back in that body until Jesus returns. But the reality is this. All die. If we can accept that fact that all die then we all have something in common, and that is this. We are fallen in our state of humanity. And Jesus did not come back just as the Son of God, but also the Son of Man to redeem mankind. And if the resurrection is null and void, then God help us all. God help us all if we don't believe this anymore. If we are beginning to wane in our belief and our faith and say that, well, the resurrection, it just, you know, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. If that's not settled as a body of believers, as a church, as a believing group of individuals, then God help us because nothing else matters. That's why the Bible would tell you, this is why Psalm would say, uh, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we should die. Doesn't matter. But if the resurrection did happen, then everything else in the scriptures that we read and we study and we say that this is God's word, we better hold on to him as truth and stop apologizing for everything. If, we either, if everything hinges on the resurrection, if we believe this is true, then everything else in the scriptures must be true. If you don't believe that's true, then you might as well not believe anything else. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? You, you can't pick and choose. 
I can't pick and choose parts of the Bible that I enjoy and I don't like. There's some in there I don't like as a pastor. Can I be honest? I'm just going to be real with you. I don't like certain things in the Bible. That love your enemy thing, I don't, I'm not fond of it. Are you? Let somebody get in your face with a video camera, threaten you, spit in your face, and see how loving you're going to be to them. When Jesus said, if they hit you on one cheek, turn the other one. That, he was not referring to anybody in that audience. You understand that. He was referring to himself. There's not one human being I know, with the exception of maybe persecution for your faith. That's a different category. But if someone comes up to you and just smacks you, that you stand there and go like, may I have another on the other side? <laughs> One of my buddies, he was telling the story how uh, this guy came to their church and, and did a leadership session. And so he was in there with a num- number of other pastors. And as he was sitting there, he's kind of a, he's a little bit younger than I am and kind of wiry dude. You know what I'm saying? Wired personality. You know, like just cool, calm, just everything's normal unless you just, there's, he just comes alive a certain thing. Like, like my father, Pastor Ryan, you, he's, you see him here playing guitar, he's cool and everything's great and that's fine. Put him on the field. Ask him to play football with you. Everything just flips. All of a sudden, he's not the same guy you see if you're playing a guitar. You don't, you just don't want none. I'm just telling you, all right? That's this guy. He was fine. He was talking. So this guy's preaching. He's giving this leadership session. He's talking about it. And all of a sudden, he's talking and he asks him to come up front. In front of just like 20, 30 guys. He comes up front. He looks at him and says, hey, how are you doing, sir? Bap! Slaps him so hard. He said, Jody, like my, he said, I almost hit him back. He said, I threw my stuff down and I, I was already, he said, I almost hit him. He said, dude, why'd you do that? He said, I want you to understand what it feels like to be hit, to see your reaction. And he began this whole illustration of, if you're hit on one side, as Jesus said, you're supposed to turn another cheek. You're supposed to love me. Even in the midst of persecution, pain, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> he looks at me and said, I'll tell you something. Don't ever hit me again. He says, I will absolutely hit you back. He said, I will lay you on the floor. If you ever do that to me again, he said, I will beat you to the ground right here in front of everybody in this room. Do you understand me? He like, he stopped and he just walked away. He told everybody there, he said, don't you let, I will never do another illustration with this guy again. He had done it with multiple guys before with no resistance. This is the first pastor that looked at him and said, I will absolutely beat you down if you hit me again like that. Do you understand me? Guy's a little bit shocked, like, huh, this is a different reaction. There's nobody I know. They just sit and react like Jesus said, turn them the other cheek if you're hit. I can't imagine anybody just sitting there and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just no problem. I can't, I can't even fathom how that reaction would work. I think that the idea that has kind of began to surface and crept into Christianity, that the resurrection didn't take place, it's all because it's been built upon for so many years of what we thought. And I'm going to say it's personal responsibility as a pastor. We just assumed that everybody was on the same page. Like my assumption was when I came to faith in Christ that everybody believed in the resurrection. I just assumed my ignorance, I'm pleading ignorance right now. My assumption was that as everyone gathered on a Sunday morning in Rome, Georgia, we was all gathering to worship Jesus. My assumption was that people believed the Bible. I have been proven wrong in that belief. Not everybody who says they believe in Christ believes his word. And not everybody who gathers on a Sunday morning comes to worship Jesus. 
I was ignorant in my belief. So now it's made me realize that if some in the beginning of the church didn't believe in the resurrection, is it possible that we would have the same thing going on today? Yes, it is. So how do we deal with that? Well, we deal with it with teaching and preaching and making people understand this is what the scriptures say. So <clears throat> let me just give you a couple of thoughts on this about the resurrection. I think that people are saying right now, right now, Christians are saying this, okay? This is not the world. This is people that profess Christ, okay? They're questioning the, re- the resurrection. People are saying these are the thoughts. Um, some are saying that Jesus did this for himself, almost as if a, um, to prove out this thing of freedom for the Jews. He just did it. It wasn't a resurrection in place. He just did it to stand up for the Jews, and he just did it, and that was it. Almost like a William Wallace type thing, Braveheart thing. You know, just did it for the freedom of the Jews, and that was it. That's kind of the thought that's kind of circling right now a little bit. Some are believing this, are saying that, um, that he was just a good guy. He was picked on. He, got, he was you know, crucified for his, for his preaching. There were a number of people crucified. No one in the day was crucified for this. There were people crucified for all kinds of theft and insurrection. No one was crucified for teaching the Bible. So, I've already told you this. Number one, about the resurrection. Let me give you just three little thoughts. And not little, but they're very big. To overcome this belief that's circling right now. Number one, it was required. The resurrection was required. There was no other way. I just read this to you in verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 15. And he says this, death came into the world through one man, Adam. Because of Adam, we all have fallen into sin. We have a sinful nature. Jesus was the only one, looking in his lineage, Matthew and Luke, look in the lineage of Jesus, and you will see that he does not have, when you get in there, a father of this earth. He does not have the seed of man passed on, therefore he is righteous. He is holy. He doesn't, he's not tainted with the sin of man. Everybody else in the room, I hate to tell you, whether you like it or don't, you have the genetic makeup of your daddy. And he was a sinful dude. Not my dad. Oh, yeah, he was. Not my, everybody says about little babies when they're born, don't they? We all hold them. We rock them. They're so cute in the little nurseries back there. Oh, look at that baby. They're so cute. You just walk out their cheeks, you know, like, look at that little butterball. He's so good. But listen, when they turn about two and three years of age, it's like the devil just, <laughs> and you want to think you need an exorcism or something. Like they go, what happened? Did I feed him the wrong formula? Did I should have done soy versus organic versus what did I do wrong? Nothing. It's called genetic makeup. It is S-I-N. And it's what we have all been making excuses for for the last 10 years for all these little groups growing up. Well, little John, he just got it. No, he's called sin. Well, he just doesn't like broccoli. No, it's called sin. Well, he just don't like it when the teacher says it. Oh, shut up. It's called sin. Your kid is just like everybody else's kid. And he has to be corrected. I mean, we got one last night. She got some correction last night, the littlest one. She freaked out because mama was going to do it. <gasps> I mean, it's all this negotiation. Of, but can't we talk about it? I mean, she's worked herself up to a frenzy. She's about to hop her fin late. But uh, can we please, can we please talk about it? And then I come in. I'll say, I'm going to do it now. No! 
on the floor. No! I'm not making this up. This is, I'm actually probably not doing it justice. No, dad, call mom back. Call her. Let mom do it. Let mom, please. No, you got me now. Now, she was just fine a couple years ago. She was just, oh, she's not going to do like the other two did. More like the oldest one. The middle one's a little different. But, you know, this uh, she's going to be different. No, she ain't. I blame it all on Haley. Every bit of it. It's all from her. <laughs> it was required. Everybody has fallen short of the glory. And I'm telling you, the resurrection is required because we're everyone that's without Jesus. We are all stuck in a sinful state. <clears throat> Number two, this did happen. Now, I don't have time to get into this with you as far as in depth. If you want to talk depth of, of, of outside of the scriptures, all you got to do is do some research. And people don't want you to, but it's plenty of it there and available for you that the resurrection did happen. Pilate, on record, the Roman... When Christ was born, the most perfect time ever in this Roman government, everything was recorded, everything was kept in in sync and in detail. He could have picked any other time to come. He came in the Roman government. And the reason why he did that is because it was the most at that time, and probably even still today, we think we got it together. We're not as smart as we think we are. What these guys could do and the landmass that they acquired was unreal. But he came during the time of the Romans. Pilate sentenced Jesus... And the Romans brutally crucified him. It's in the writings of Josephus. It not, does not have to be in your Bible. It's everywhere is there. It's clear he was crucified. A man named Jesus was crucified and he was buried. The interesting thing is this. If we accept the life and the death of other people who are not near as worthy. Do you understand as far as writings of Jesus and about the Lord Jesus. There are more than, I can't remember, 700, 800 different manuscripts that have been found that prove the same story by various different other writers, and Jesus is in them. But we will accept the writings of Plato, which if you looked at the amount of copies of Plato, there's like very few, just maybe 10 or less. I can't remember the next time I have to look it up and bring it back to you. The more copies of something, the more mistakes can be possible. We accept Plato. If we as a society are willing to accept the writings of a Plato, who has very little manuscripts, why would we deny what is written in multiple authors over many, many thousands of years by one man who it all lines up? Why would we deny that? The only reason we would deny this is because people don't want to hear the truth. We'll accept Plato, but deny Jesus. Then also there were so many, many different people testifying to the resurrection. Uh, can I just say this to you? Um, that you, when you look at something and you say... Why someone believes something? There needs to be something attached to it. So in other words, if I tell you, uh, hey, listen, I believe I can fly an airplane. Are you going to hop in the plane with me? All right, all right. What would you like to see before you go fly with me? (laughs) Smart guy. You just don't jump in a plane with anybody who says, I can fly. Yeah, really? It's like those guys on TV, like, hold my beer. Like, no, 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 I ain't flying with you. You know what I'm saying? Just because you think you can fly. I need to fly with somebody who says they, they can actually fly. I've been through some storms, right? There's a saying that goes with pilots. You know, there's like, uh, there, there are uh, old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. Do you understand? You know what I'm saying, right? I want to fly with the old one. 
This is a book I hadn't read all. I mean, I, this guy, Richard uh, Warmbrand, I think is the best way. It's called Torture for Christ. This is written uh, out of communistic uh, Russia and other things like that. But um, he gives different sto- stories about different things. I'm going to read you something. This is going to get a little rough here. So if you don't, I mean, I'll try to skip best I can, but I'll just hear a couple of thoughts. Uh, this is uh, entitled Unspeakable Tortures. <clears throat> he said, a pastor by the name of Floresca was tortured with red-hot iron pokers and with knives. He was beaten very badly. Now, let me ask you, if you're a Falcon fan and they did that to you, are you going to be a Falcon fan after that? Deny the Falcons, or we're going to poke you with a hot red iron? I'm out. They don't mean that much to me. I mean, I already see right now what we got to work with. There ain't no sense of getting burned because of the Falcon. <laughs> I ain't that kind of fan. Now, if we're going to the Bulldogs, I might, like, think about it a second, but I'm still not going to be burned with a poke, a hot red iron because I'm a fan. All right? I'm out. This guy is... <clears throat> Beaten very badly, he then starving rats were driven through his cell in a large pipe. He could not sleep because he had to defend himself at all times. If he rested a moment, the rats would attack him. He was forced to stand for two weeks, day and night. The communists wished to compel him to betray his brethren, but he would not. Eventually, they brought his 14-year-old son to the prison and began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying that they would continue to beat him until the pastor said what they wished him to say. The poor man was half mad. He bore it as long as he could, and then he cried to his son, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can't bear your beating anymore. The son said, Father, do not do me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. Withstand. If they kill me, I will die with the words, Jesus as and my fatherland. The communists, enraged, fell upon the child and beat him to death with blood spattered over the walls of the cell. He died praising God. Our dear brother Floresco was never the same after seeing this. Handcuffs with sharp nails on the insides were placed on our wrists. If we were totally still, they didn't cut us. But in the bitterly cold cells, when we shook with cold, our wrists would be torn by the nails. Christians were hung upside down on ropes and beaten so severely that their bodies swung back and forth under the blows. Christians were also placed in an icebox refrigerator cells, which were so cold that the frost and ice covered the inside. I was thrown into one while I had very little clothing on, and prison doctors would watch through an opening until they saw symptoms of freezing to death. Then they would give a signal to the guards and rush in, take us out, and make us warm. When we were finally warm, we would immediately be put back into the icebox cells to freeze. Thawing out, then freezing to within minutes of death, then being thawed out over and over again. Even today, there are times when I cannot bear to open a refrigerator. I could read more than that. That's the mild testimony of how they were treated as christians all of you just deny the faith will stop you know as well as i do if something is true to you if something is real you're not going to endure this if it's not worth it the only reason you would endure this is because it is more real to you than what you're feeling I'm just telling you something. We don't know anything about this as Americans, but we have brothers and sisters. One of your missionaries, we support, Ariel Acuna. I can give you other stories. They've had to hide him in a ceiling in Laos, Vietnam, as he goes in and preaches this gospel. For fear. They'll kill him. All for what? For preaching the gospel. Now, I'm going to show you something. Logic, just human logic tells you, if it's not real, why would there be such oppression for it? Why would a man, in, you bring my baby in, and it's for something like the Falcons, or it's for any other thing. Oh, are you, are, pick your political poison. Are you Republican or Democrat? Denounce your Republicanism. Denounce your, whatever you are, Democratism. Denounce it all. Pick the other side, or I'm going to beat your kid. 
Well, you're going to denounce it. Or you're an idiot if you don't. You're just nothing but a vote to either one of these guys. So why would you put your kid through it? You're not going to sit there and watch your kid get beaten in front of you because of a political party. At least I hope you wouldn't. But for this, it's a whole different ballgame here. And there are stories after stories. This is one book. There are so many books like this out there of our brothers and sisters in the faith who have been martyred for the faith because it did happen. Matthew 28, 6 says to the angels that said to the individuals that they're looking for his body, he is not here. He is risen from the dead just as he said it would happen. Come and see where his body was laying. Do you understand that the first people to see Jesus and the res- or to see Jesus, but to also see the empty tomb was women? Now, this is not a knock, ladies. Just hear me out, okay? In their culture, that would have been the worst group to pick for verification of testimony because they were not valued in the same way as the men were at that time. But what did God do? Do you think that was by happen chance? It's almost like God was saying, listen, let me just throw this right in front of the face of everybody as well. I'm going to pick the ladies. Since you don't approve of them, I'm going to approve of them. And I'm going to let them be the first to see and to testify that I am alive, not dead. Just throws that in just to prove out some more stuff saying, you know what? I don't need the culture of the day. I'm going to show this in the most improbable way. I'm going to do it this way. What a wonderful thing. He is not afraid of you seeking and proving out his evidence of the resurrection. He's not afraid of it at all. I would challenge you when you ever question your beliefs or challenge your, your thoughts on this, just prove them out. He is not afraid at all. He doesn't need anyone to defend him. He can defend himself. He is not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that is return, uh, returns void. He just has that we just believe him, at least trust him in his word. <clears throat> And as I close out today, I'll leave you this last thought on it. The resurrection was not by theft. There, it amazes me how now this is resurfacing. It's actually in the Bible, too, uh, that people thought he was, his body was stolen. And if you know anything about Roman history, they're not like us. See, if it had been our culture today, that would be plausible because we're so weak. We just, we are, we're so weak as a society today. I mean, you tell somebody, you, you know, you gave your kid a spanking, they almost fall on the floor. How dare you going to break that child's spirit? Yeah, well, 10 years from now, we'll see. We'll see what spirit's on your kid, and we'll see what's on mine. And then you can talk about spirits then, all right? But for right now, don't talk to me about how to raise my kids. You do you, I do me, all right? Just roll on with that. But, oh, man, people just, I can't believe it. You call, if you're worried about it, you call defects. Once you ain't beating your kids, they'll tell you, that little fatty tissue in the back right here, it's all right. Don't beat them, don't hurt them, but it's meant to take some punishment. A lot of cushion right there, all right? His body, they said, was stolen. And the Roman government, this is why this is so not possible. He was placed into a tomb and it was sealed. The stamp of the Roman guard. This was not the Jewish temple guards. These guys, you could bribe them over. You ain't gonna bribe the Romans. When the leader says, you stamp that and you stay in post. It ain't like our culture today, weasel out of it. They knew two things were going to happen. Number one, they better guard this tomb with their life. This idea that the guards were sleeping, false. If they were caught sleeping, it was death. 
think, think in our military, think in the terms of our military. You guys who served in military, could you imagine what would have happened to you had you been charged with standing post at a certain place and you were found sleeping? It isn't written in the books what would happen, but we all know, because we've heard the stories, what happens if you fall asleep at post in the military. Particularly, let's say the Marines. Let's just pick them. Yeah. Yeah. These guys knew they didn't fall asleep for fear of their lives. And they certainly didn't sit around and let somebody steal it because that would have been their lives too. It's either you die defending or you die anyway. But you better not let them do what they want to do. No one stole that body. The Romans actually, the, these guys that were guarding the tomb, they went around spreading the testimony of what they saw. Freaked them out. There's some historical um, writings about this. You can read and other things about the soldiers who were guarding the tomb the rumors that spread from all that but it's pretty interesting why would you as a military guard of the Romans why would you risk your life and your family's life and your position of wealth and prominence over a story you don't do that and this is why the Bible tells us in Ephesians 118 I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light, Paul says, so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those who he's called, his holy people who are rich in his glorious inheritance. And watch verse 19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised up Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly places. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. For God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? Mm-hmm. We're going to circle right back now. What's Jesus building? And who is a part of his church? Watch what he says. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. If Jesus is resurrected, let me ask you a question. Is his body resurrected? It's not a trick question. If Jesus is resurrected, then is his body resurrected? Yeah. So when you said yes to Christ, it wasn't just a little prayer you prayed the old you, the dead part of you that died and was crucified with Christ, now I am resurrected with Christ in life. And that's the beauty of this whole thing about the resurrection. People think we're a bunch of weirdos. Let me tell you something. Here's what's weird. Why live your life with the oppression of sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation when you can say yes to Jesus, let that person die and be resurrected again into new life? Now the outside didn't change a whole lot. I wish it did. But that comes later. But the inside Man, I'm telling you what, that's why you can't convince people who have been saved. You're not going to move us. Why? Because I know what he did for me. You can't explain the difference between going from one personality to another. I can't explain to you everything about why and how he makes it work, but I can tell you this much. I'm not the same guy as I once was. Do I have issues I still would deal with? Yeah. But the Lord did something in my heart, and I know you can try your best. Give me every kind of proof you want to give me, but I'm telling you, I know that I know that I know that Jesus resurrected my life from the dead. And that's why as Christians, do not give up your belief in the resurrection. The moment you do, 
you sacrifice your own resurrection. If it was real to you, then don't deny it and don't try to over-explain it. Just tell people, if they don't want to believe, let them laugh at your face. As Jesus said, wipe the dust off the bottom of your feet and move on. So this morning, as we close up, I want you to think about this as the resurrection. Could we talk about other things? We could. Uh, is this an Easter message? No. Could it be? Probably. But is the resurrection important? It's the anchor for the Christian faith. There is nothing you can build upon on this church if you don't build upon the resurrection. Start here. This morning, I pray that you hear this, and as the Apostle Paul would pray, that your heart would be enlightened, that your eye would be opened up spiritually to the resurrection again. So would you, right where you're at, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Let me pray for you a moment before we leave. If you're watching online as well, I'd like for you to just bow your head, close your eyes just right there in your home. Maybe you're sitting in a car on break or something right now, or you're watching later <clears throat> this week. I want to pray for you right now. And if you're here, you're watching online, you're here and, and you're, you know, question because people have told you that this isn't true. Maybe you're doubting your faith, you're doubting your belief in Christ. And let's encourage you today to re-surrender anew. Just right where you are, I'm going to pray with you. The whole church is going to pray with you as well. But if you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart, you say, man, I, I need to. I need to accept the Lord. I need to re- pray and ask God to help me understand this more. I just need to repent and turn my life to Jesus. Just pray with this with me right now with the whole church. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my heart. I give you my life and I surrender my will. I repent and I turn to you. And in Jesus' name, I make you the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of sin and make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Give me a hand, would you? If you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. You're watching online as well. If you need some information about how to begin following Christ, we'd love to help you get started with that. You just let us know by logging on to connect.cornerstonerome.com, and we'll send you some information about not only the church, but help you get following, started following Christ as well. Uh, whatever you might need, we'll be glad to help you with that as well. If you're in this room, you can do the same, or you can use the card that's in the seat back in front of you. You can fill that out for us and drop in the offering box on your way out the door. We can help you as well. Any of your efforts to begin walking with God. So before we go today, I just want to remind you that outside today, you can look at small groups. There's some areas out there you can look at some groups starting up. It's not one you want to be a part of. I would encourage you to, uh, to, to start one your, yourself in the next couple of weeks. And um, if you are watching online, we'll post these as well. If they're not online this week or today, they will be this week um, as well. But I encourage you to be a part of a small group. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And you need one another to strengthen your faith and your walk with Christ this morning. So before we go, would you all stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to pray. As we leave this morning, I'll speak this over, your, over you and your family. And before we go, I just want to remind you, uh, prayer partners will be down front. So as these guys are coming down, if you need prayer for anything in your life, some of these guys are group leaders. Some of these guys are uh, serving other capacities. So, you know, maybe you need prayer for something. Maybe you need uh, to talk to someone about, you know, just different things you need prayer for. Come down front at the end, at the end of the church, and we'll be glad to pray with you um, over anything that you need prayer for. And uh, also before we go, just thank you for your generosity. Uh, as you give, those of you watching online, information is on your screen there, how you can be a part of that. But I think now more than ever, it's important to show that um, as we help our missionaries and other things around the world, what we do here locally, I think right now um, it's very important to understand that your faith is your faith and it's real. It needs to be real. And, you know, if you believe in it, you put action to what you believe in. 
For me, that's been that way since I came to Christ, man. I just, I believe in the power of his church. I believe in the power of his gospel and send that work around the world. So I encourage you to be generous this week as well. So Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24, the scriptures say this, May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. If you need prayer, come down front. Now we'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.